Welcome or welcome back to the company of the cat. Hi. I won't waste any time. I think Euron sees John in his visions and thinks they are about him. <laughs> Let's start by looking at Euron and what we know about him before he started to consume Shade of the Evening. The Crow's Eye had taken Lord Hewitt's bedchamber along with his bastard daughter. When he entered, the girl was sprawled naked on the bed, snoring softly. Euron stood by the window, drinking from a silver cup. He wore the sable cloak he took from Black Tide, his red leather iPads, and nothing else. When I was a boy, I dreamt that I could fly, he announced. When I woke, I couldn't. Or so the master said, but what if he lied? Victorian could smell the sea through the open window, though the room stank of wine and blood and sex. The cold there helped to clear his head. What do you mean? You don't turn to face him, his bruised lips curled in a half smile. Perhaps we can fly, all of us. How we will ever know unless we leap from some tall tower? The wind came gusting through the window and stirred his sable cloak. There was something obscene and disturbing about his nakedness. No one truly ever knows what he can do unless he dares to leap. There's the window. Leap. Victorian had no patience for this. His wounded head was troubling him. What do you want? So Euron had a dream when he was younger. This whole story aligns closely with Bran's storyline, as many fans have pointed out. We don't know exactly what happened before he had these dreams. Was he sick? Was it after his baptism and resuscitation? Because these kinds of dreams are typically experienced by people who are closer to death than sleep. They are either fever dreams or dreams during a comatose state. Euron says he asked the maester and the maester told him that it was just a dream, similar to what Maester Lewin said to Bran about his dreams. So did he ask the maester during a lesson or did he inquire because the maester was treating him due to sickness, an accident or some other reason? Because the Ironborn do not generally have a favorable opinion of maesters, but their father Quellon was notably progressive and more in line with typical human behaviors than his sons. He made efforts to reform the way of the Ironborn and integrate them with the rest of the Seven Kingdoms. His reforms included freeing thralls, prohibiting most raving, discouraging salt wives, promoting marriages with mainland houses and introducing maesters to the Iron Islands. So it's possible that his sons received lessons from maesters and Euron in particular is easy to imagine as someone who would be very interested in these lessons. From the earlier discussion, it's evident that Euron is highly interested in various forms of knowledge and the opportunities they can unlock. So was it a dream during a not very healthy period of his life? Was he visited by the Three-Eyed Crow, as many people are speculating? The crow appeared in Bran's dreams after his fall, so it's unlikely that if he indeed went to Euron, it was out of nowhere and not because of a near-death experience. We also don't know when this event happened, or if other dreams followed after this one. As prophetic dreams can be diverse and not always involve flying or similar experiences, what we do know is that if this occurred when he was a child, one thing is certain, it had a profound impact on his personality. <laughs> it seems to have contributed to his current psychopathic tendencies, as Euron's character is far from normal, and the shade he indulges in likely doesn't help either. From some ungodly reason, Euron has gone to great lengths and continues to do so to make his brothers despise him. I've discussed his relationship with Victarion in detail, but it's clear that he didn't have better relations with the rest of his brothers either. If anything, they were worse. Aaron in particular is one of my favorite POV characters, despite his own issues and idiotic, sexist and more opinions due to his upbringing. He's a character I sympathize with. His chapters often hit harder than you would expect, even though I often catch myself thinking, my guy, shut the fuck up. In the Forsaken chapter, we saw that Aaron and Urigon were sexually abused by Euron systematically. 
something that, by the way, was hinted at in all Aeron chapters before that. All these quotes about the sound of the rusted iron hinge are about Aaron's memories from when Euron was opening the door to get into the room. That man is dead. Aaron had drowned and been reborn from the sea, the god's own prophet. No mortal man could frighten him, no more than the darkness could. Nor memories, the bones of the soul. The sound of a door opening, the scream of a rusted iron hinge. Euron has come again. He was the dampier priest, beloved of the god. He had run before the crow's eye as if he were still the weak thing he had been. But when the waves broke over his head, they reminded once more that that man was dead. I was reborn from the sea, a harder man and stronger. No mortal mal could frighten him, no more than the darkness could. Nor the bones of his soul, the grey and grisly bones of his soul. The sound of a door opening, the scream of a rusted iron hinge. Even a priest may doubt, even a prophet may know terror. Aaron Dampier reached within himself for the god and discovered only silence. As a thousand voices shouted over his brother's name, all he could hear was the scream of a rusted iron hinge. When he slept, the darkness could rise up and shallow him when the dream could come, and Uri, and the scream of a rusted hinge. It was me who taught you how to pray, little brother, have you forgotten? I would visit your bedchamber at night when I had too much to drink. You shared a room with Urigon, high up in the sea tower. I could hear you praying from outside the door. I always wondered, were you praying that I would choose you, or that I would pass you by? Aaron is deeply traumatized by this, as anyone would be. He tries to convince himself that he's alright, that this part of him is dead. But it becomes painfully clear that the moment people began chanting Euron's name, he started to panic. Now he finds himself in the same dreadful situation, captured by Euron, filled with fear and subjected to assault. The way Euron talks to Aaron about his god, and gods in general, makes it quite apparent that he knows gods are unreal. He's pushing the boundaries without any apparent consequences since he had that dream as a child, it seems. If gods are unreal, and people only believe in them out of fear, then what's stopping him from becoming a god himself? He wants people to be afraid of him, deriving pleasure from their prayers born out of fear. It's undeniably sick and twisted, but that's precisely what he desires, to be all-powerful like a god. Now that he holds power, he is convinced that very few things can stand in his way. My main question, though, is what exactly did Euron see? in his first dream. I'm unsure whether he truly flew because someone like Brynden visited him, or if he observed Bran's flight and heard the crow's communication with him, subsequently attempting to replicate it because he believed the flying child was himself. The way he speaks suggests that he might have been an outsider observing the flight, much like Jojen who saw Bran and the crow interact in his green dreams. I dreamt of a winged wolf bound to earth with grey stone chains. It was a green dream, so I knew it was true. A crow was trying to peck through the chains, but the stone was too hard and his beak could only chip at them. If he saw a kid flying, a kid associated with crows, then of course he thought, oh, this is me, since they call me crow's eye. I think that Euron saw something like this while sick or hurt, and he became obsessed with the idea of this dream being true and about him. And that brings us to what the hell was Euron doing during his exile? Euron was already notorious for his raving and cruelty even before his exile from the Iron Islands. However, from what I understand, during the years of his exile, he delved deeper into magic, interacted with other people and cultures. His interest in these matters had been sparked from the moment he had a dream as a child, and through all his extensive traveling, he came to understand that this dream was more than just a dream. He realized that there were ways to turn that dream into a reality. Euron was already intelligent, inquisitive and cruel with psychopathic tendencies even before his exile, 
But during this period, he learned more about magic and most significantly, he began consuming Shade of the Evening. Euron apparently has gone to and pillaged every port city in the known world. From Ib to Asai, when people see his sails, they pray. At least this is what he claims. I have seen a lot of people in the fandom say he's just saying shit and people believe him, but I don't think that is the case. How much of a gold breaker can he be when he has a magical horn, a Valyrian steel full suit of armor, and has in his possession an unlimited amount of shade of the evening? The dude looks way too aware of things to be a fraud. He is cocky and thinks he is the tits, but I don't think he is lying. Maybe he exaggerates about things, but I doubt he is completely lying. The horn you heard I found amongst the smoking ruins that were Valyria, where no man has dared to walk but me. You heard its call and felt its power. It is a dragon horn bound with bands of red gold and Valyrian steel graven with enchantments. The dragon lords of old sounded such horns before the doom devoured them. With this horn, Iron Man, I can bind dragons to my will. Euron Crozai stood upon the deck of silence, clad in a suit of black scale armor like nothing Iron had ever seen before. Dark as smoke it was, but Euron wore it as easily as if it was the thinnest silk. The scales were edged in red gold and gleamed and shimmered when they moved. Patterns could be seen within the metal, worlds and glyphs and arcane symbols folded into the steel. Valyrian steel, the Dampier knew. His armor is Valyrian steel. In all the Seven Kingdoms, no man owned the suit of Valyrian steel. Such things had been known 400 years ago, in the days before the Doom, but even then, they could cost a kingdom. Euron did not lie, he had been to Valyria. No wonder he was mad. I don't think this horn binds dragons, to be honest. Having such a huge horn, just for a dragon, from a Valyrian perspective, sounds kinda dumb to me, for various reasons, but Dragon Binder is indeed very magical. He also has a Valyrian steel suit of armor, and I don't think that if there was an armor like that going around, rich and saucy people wouldn't have wanted to add it to their collections. So I really think he found it in the ruins of Valyria and had it adjusted or something, because being forged from something else would require a generous amount of Valyrian steel. Same for the horn, if this thing was somewhere else, Rich people would have definitely tried to have their hands on it. Methinks, at least. Even without dragons, an allegedly magical Valyrian dragon horn is a freaking treasure and a show-off piece. The crow's eye sipped from his silver cap. I once held a dragon's egg in this hand, brother. The Mirish wizard swore he could hatch it if I gave him a year and all the gold that he required. When I grew bored with his excuses, I slew him. As he watched his entrails sliding through his finger, he said, But it has not been a year. <laughs> he laughed. Dragons died, you know. Who? The man who blew my dragon horn when the maester cut him open. His lungs were charred, as black as soot. Victorian shuddered. Show me this dragon egg. I threw it in the sea during one of my dark moods, Huron gave a shrug. Apparently he had a dragon egg too at some point. It is not that hard to find dragon eggs, but hatching them is a different kind of worms altogether. Thing is, even for Huron, getting it into the sea because he got pissy sounds weird. And this is only one of the very what-the-fuck choices Huron made. He also made one in the current timeline, for some inexplicable reason, he gave Dragon Binder to Victarion. If he really thinks that this horn binds you to a dragon, why give it to Vic? Yes, he is mad and thinks Vic is too stupid, but holy moly. Also, his sigil is weird as fuck, for various reasons. But the most important reason for me is the red eye on it. Why red? His covered eye is black. Crowfoot, Theon remembered. An old man huge and powerful, with a ruddy face and a shaggy white beard. He had been seated on a garron clad in the belt of a gigantic snow bear, his head his hood. Under it he wore a stained white leather eye patch that reminded Theon of his uncle Euron. He'd wanted to rip it off Amber's face, to make certain that underneath was an empty socket, not a black eye shining with malice. We also know that shade of the evening can affect eye color, but 
like his lips, it would be indigo and not red. Through the indigo murk, she could make out the wizened features of the undying one to her right, an old old man, wrinkled and hairless. His flesh was a ripe violet blue, his lips and nails bluer still, so dark they were almost black. Even the whites of his eyes were blue. So why the hell does he have a red eye? You don't think he's gonna be resurrected after his death? He is very much set on this idea of him being closer to a god than a man or a king, and will be back from the grave. The bleeding star bespoke the end, he said to Aaron. These are the last days, when the world shall be broken and remade. A new god shall be born from the graves and charnel pits. Then Euron lifted a great horn in his lips and blew, and dragons and krakens and sphinxes came at his command and bowed before him. Kneel, brother, the crow's eye commanded. I am your king. I am your god. Worship me and I will raise you to be my priest. When I was reading the Ironborn chapters from my Victorian Euron video, as I read this part, I laughed and said to my mind, girl, sit your ass down. Who do you think you are, John? And then it hit me. He does believe he is John. And before that, he believed he was Danny and Bran. He sees the actual key players of the story in his Shade of the Evening visions, like Mel in the Flames, Patchface, the Ghost of Highheart, etc. But he thinks that the visions are about him. Seeing what Euron does while having in mind the actual main characters, many of his out there decisions start to make sense. Looking at the sigil and the fact that he thinks he's gonna be resurrected after his death and be a leader, I'm fairly sure he sees John. His sigil has two crows crowning a red eye. John was made Lord Commander by his brothers who are called crows because they were black, and his wolf's eyes, a wolf that he has a constant connection with, are red. Before his death, Mel saw John as a wolfman. The flames cracked softly, and in the crackling she heard the whispered name Jon Snow. His long face floated before her, limbed in tongues of red and orange, appearing and disappearing again, a shadow half seen behind a fluttering curtain. Now he was a man, now a wolf, now a man again. But the skulls were here as well, the skulls were all around him. Jon being a warg, after he was stabbed, his spirit went into ghost. We know it for a fact, we saw it in the prologue with Varamir, it was explained to Bran by Bloodraven, and of course Mel saw him as a man, then a wolf, then a man again. Seeing how differently the ghosts of Highheart, Daenerys and Pats were talking about the Red Wedding in their visions, I think Euron most likely saw a comely dark-haired man dressed in black, or something similar, dying and then his eyes opening red, and said, oh, this is me. Jon is a member of the Watch and is called a crow very often, and Euron is called Crow's Eye. John became a commander, meaning crowned by crows, and Euron was chosen as a king and his sigil has crows crowning a red eye. John has dark hair and is comely like Euron. John died and he's gonna be resurrected and his red-eye wolf is involved. And Euron thinks he's gonna be resurrected from Turner Pits and his sigil has a red eye. The guy sees John and thinks it is about him. He sees a black-clad, dark-haired man and he thinks, I have a dark suit of armor, I am called Crozai, I have this vision, so of course it's about me. If Euron saw that John was killed by his brothers, but he also has killed some of his brothers, of the Watch, but still, brothers, then it makes sense why he is ready to kill Aaron, why he killed his other brothers as well, and why he is constantly prodding Victarion when he knows that if Victarion snaps, he is going to kill him. Because I think he wants Vic to kill him so he can be reborn. He gave a magical horn he found to Valyria, and this move seems thoughtless and rash, but if he saw John giving the horn ghost found to Sam, then he might have thought, oh, I have to give it to my brother. And of course the whole fixation with Daenerys also makes sense. Danny in her House of the Undying Visions 
saw a blue flower growing from a sink in a wall of ice, filling the air with sweetness, which heavily implies this is about John and his potential kinship to Daenerys. And let's not forget that if the king Bran beat holds true in the books, especially since it's one of the three confirmed plot points from the series, Euron might have been seeing Bran in these visions as well. Bran will likely be a king, but not the typical kind. He will be a green seer, war king reminiscent of the kings of old. This means he'll be crowned, closely connected to crows and ravens, and observing the world through the red eyes of the weirwoods. If Euron saw red eyes, like Mel saw in her flames when she saw Bloodraven, a crown, ravens, crows, or something similar in his visions, he might have thought, yep, this is definitely me. That being said, right now I think Euron thinks he is John. The parallels are way too many for that not to be the case. He's trying to do whatever he sees in his visions, but his visions are most likely about John, not himself. Many people see others in their dreams and visions and do not think they are about them. But taking into consideration Euron's character and personality, it is obvious he's trying to make these visions come true for him. And this isn't just happening with John. I think in his dream, when he was younger, he saw Bran and thought it was about him. Perhaps we can fly, all of us, how we will ever know unless we live from some tall tower. And the same goes for the whole shit with Valyria and the dragon egg. He was seeing Danny. Euron has gone to Asai, and the other person we know has gone there is Melisandre. And it was there she found the Azor Ahai prophecy. I wouldn't find it weird if Euron heard the same prophecy in Asai and is trying to make it come true. When the red star bleeds and the darkness gathers, Azora Hai shall be born again amidst smoke and salt to wake dragons out of stone. I think Euron heard this and tried indeed to wake dragons from stone as he went to Valyria, the place that is indeed amidst smoke and salt, since there is the smoking sea. I don't believe he threw the egg just because. He tried to hatch it somehow in Valyria because the place in the prophecy could easily be interpreted as the smoking and drowned ruins of Valyria, and it didn't work. That's why he didn't tell Victarion that. <laughs> there he found the horn and the black armor, and in the meantime, Daenerys indeed hatched the eggs. So Euron, who at that point drinks almost only shade, saw John most likely in whatever sea he is seeing and thought, I am the other one, the one who will be reborn, the one dressed in black with the horn, and I have to marry the mother of dragons. I said it in the video about Victarion and Euron, but Euron's character is destined to fall. Euron's character in the A Song of Ice and Fire is that of Alazon. He's an imposter who sees himself as greater than he actually is, minus the comedic relief, since the story is not a comedy. Euron is destined to fall because of his own ivories. He thinks since the gods are unreal, there are no limits, but at the same time, he thinks that shade of the evening is the nectar of gods and drinks it to have the truth revealed to him, which on its own is tragically ironic. Euron tries probably more than anyone else in this story to be the main character. <laughs> And he follows the shade visions to achieve this, something that never works out. Born amidst salt and smoke, beneath a bleeding star, I know the prophecy. Marvin turned his head and spat a gob of red phlegm on the floor. Not that I would trust it. Gorgon of old geese once wrote that a prophecy is like a treacherous woman. She takes your member in her mouth and you moan with pleasure of it and think how sweet, how fine, how good this is. And there her teeth snap shut and your moans turn to screams. This is the nature of a prophecy, said Gorgon. Prophecy will bite your prick off every time. The prophecies, visions, and dreams correctly predict the future indeed, but also set into motion a series of events that lead to its fulfillment if you try to stop them or make them come true in a specific way. Prophecies involve symbols that need to be interpreted. 
The thing is that the more people try to interpret these symbols so they can make them come true or stop them, the bigger is the failure. Euron's arc may not be a comedic one per se, but if this is indeed the case, it is so ironic that it's almost funny. Tragically funny, considering the chaos one person's arrogance and ambition can cause, but this is the case, I think. It's easy to spot the difference between Mel's words and Euron's. There will come a day after a long summer when the stars bleed and the cold breath of darkness falls heavy on the world. In this dread hour, a warrior shall draw from the fire a burning sword, and that sword shall be Lightbringer, the red sword of heroes, and he who clasped it, it shall be as Orahai come again, and the darkness shall flee before him. These are the last days when the world shall be broken and remade. A new god shall be born from the graves and charnel pits. Then Euron lifted a great horn to his lips, and blue and dragons and krakens and sphinxes came at his command and bowed before him. Kneel, brother, the crows I commanded. I am your king. I am your god. Mel believes in stopping the darkness so that the hero can save the world, but Euron thinks the world must be broken so he can remake it to his own likeness. Euron might not believe in gods, but it doesn't really matter if gods are real or not. Humans are still small creatures in the grand scheme of things. If someone behaves violently, recklessly, arrogantly, and insultingly toward the natural and moral rules, the laws of the state, in an overestimation of his abilities and power, exactly what Euron does, they are considered to have committed ivries. This means behaving as if trying to transcend the moral nature and becoming a god, thereby insulting and angering the gods. Even if gods are not real, this is a universal pattern. The whole philosophy is wrapped within a religious mantle to gain respect, a greater power, and timelessness. But in reality, it is about the law and structure of human nature and aims at the balance and harmony of human life. So I'm waiting for the end of Winds, because as I said, I doubt we will get rid of Euron before its end, and Victarion to restore the natural order with the Holy Iron Fist. And this is it, pretty much. I think Euron sees John, Bran, Danny and thinks it's about him, and I find this hilarious, to be honest. Write down below what you think, as well as your theories. If you enjoyed this video, like and subscribe too, if you haven't already. The next video is gonna be one about Ironborn, Andals, and Valyrians, and until then, bye!